Welcome to episode 56 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Focus on the audience, lead with empathy, ask great questions. That's how my guest this episode, Julie Lasso, describes a great communicator. Julie spent 17 years at Target in progressively responsible leadership roles in sourcing, inventory management, and buying. So if you've ever gone into Target for just a few things and came out with an overflowing cart, Julie is part of the reason for that. In this episode, we chat about the importance of providing context for your questions, the difference between sympathy and empathy, and how to establish powerful partnerships. I hope you enjoy. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Scott, it is wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. And to get us started, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about you, your journey, and the exciting things that you're working on today? I'm happy to. Thanks for the kind invitation. So my name is Julie Lasso. As you shared, I'm a native Minnesotan. And when I grew up and graduated from school, it was with a degree with economics and math. So of course, I did the most logical thing possible. I went to work for Target Corporation and their inventory planning team. Uh, it was a really fantastic job, actually. And what I loved about it with an economics background, I, I really saw money as the way that people expressed psychological needs. So in a, in a lot of different ways. And so yes, while I was managing getting shoes and watches from distribution centers into stores, a lot of it was helping to figure out, at least the role that I, the part of the role that I found interesting was helping to figure out what consumers wanted and how we were really able to help your guests with that. So I had a career at Target for 17 years and I worked in a handful of different areas, but it was always very guest centric. And one of the roles that I loved the most was in our own brand's sourcing team. So if you think of the targets of the world and, and other other retailers, these are the brands that those retailers own. So they're either a national brand equivalent, so it's the, the real Listerine and the fake Listerine, or it's some of those special brands. You think of like a Trader Joe's where they develop their own brands that you can't find anywhere else. And my opportunity to work with those teams was such a fun one because, again, it was very guest-centric. You wanted to find the perfect offering of value to the guest. But then within the organization, you were also working across teams to bring these brands to life and importantly, working with manufacturers and and partners to make the products themselves. And I left Target a handful of years ago, and the work that I do today stays very focused on that partnership building conversation. So today I help retailers build and deepen their partnerships with their suppliers so whether that's finding the right suppliers to work with, whether that's communicating and working with them to bring strategies to life or negotiating with them. So being able to really align on a final assortment, a final value proposition, final final offering to bring really fantastic products to the shelves. And so that's when the opportunity came to have a conversation with you and your audience. Uh, I was excited to talk about what that looks and feels like and how communication and impactful communication plays a really key role in that work. Very cool. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're part of the reason that every time my wife and I go into Target for just a couple things, we come <laughs> out with a heaping cartload of, of all kinds of things that we had never been thinking about before. On a good day, that is exactly right. Fantastic. So one of the things that you mentioned there, especially with the work that you're doing now, is a, a word that really resonated with me is partnership. 
And I think to establish strong partnerships, communication plays a big part of that and really being having to be an effective communicator. Absolutely. So when you hear that term that somebody is, is a really strong communicator or a great communicator, what's the image that comes into mind for you? In my world, what I really think about when I think about a strong communicator is someone who can succinctly and very clearly message what's important or fit to purpose for that conversation. So if it's a strategic conversation, you're sharing uh, broad picture ideas, who's the audience that'll be listening to this information, how can they take it in? And you really fit that message to the audience that's processing that information so they can get the most out of it. But I would say the second piece of the conversation, so that that builds from a point of empathy, right? You're thinking about what your audience is going to be taking in for the messaging. But then importantly, when the conversation becomes more of a dialogue, then I see the shift to being a great communicator, being not only be able to share your message correctly, but being able to listen effectively to what someone else is sharing. And importantly, be able to ask questions to help ensure that you're understanding their perspective. And then through very uh, careful and thoughtful questions, make sure that your point is also resonating. So you're also able to test for understanding. So as you mentioned those things there, all those different things, for me, the one item that cut across all of them, and you mentioned it a couple of times, is the focus on the audience. You want to be succinct. You want to be able to demonstrate empathy. You are, are listening. You have to kind of get that message out there effectively and have a dialogue. It all goes back to the audience and really focusing in on what's most important to them. For me, a lot of times we get the question around, how do I be more succinct in my communication? My first response always is to think about your audience first, less about what's in it for me, why am I communicating this out? More so, what's the audience looking for? What are their needs and potential concerns or objections to this? How might they react and then start tailoring your message? You, what are some things perhaps that you've done really to focus in on you know, being more succinct and concise with your communications. Well, I love the recommendation that you started with. It's it's staying with the audience, but then also thinking through what is what is the ultimate action that you want them to take? What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? And ultimately, what do you want them to do? And in my world, in a business case, that that doing is is pretty impactful because depending on the message, we are, we are working in support of our customers, of our brand strategy, and we are trying to drive initiatives forward with the most impact possible. So that, can, that audience listening, that audience action is really at the end of the day, what we need to be able to deliver. Absolutely. And as you think through retail today, you've 17 years, I believe you said at Target and now working very closely and in partnership with retailers, whether it's just things that you're seeing from the outside looking in, what you've experienced throughout your career, maybe you're even hearing this from some of your partners. What are really some of the skills that you think are either lacking or very much needed in the workplace today when it comes really around this idea of communication skills? There are several different essential communication skills. I would say retailers today are working to deliver such a complex experience to their consumers. And it takes a lot of different inputs to help make that come true. So whether you are designing a store experience, an online shopping experience, or an experience of using a product, whether it's a shirt or food you're eating, 
there is a massive team behind the effort of bringing that experience to the consumer. So you need to be able to take in information, but very effectively work across cross-functional teams to help bring that to life. So working cross-functionally, being able to understand your perspective, the inputs that are, are critical for you to deliver your portion of whatever it is the project that you're working on. And then we've already talked about this a few times, and I know we're not the first podcast or episode that's talked about this fact of business empathy, knowing what you need to bring to the table to deliver, but then also taking a moment to think through what are your other key partners going to need to be able to deliver their best work as well. And so both from a communication perspective, but then also what you're actually bringing to the table, your deliverable, doing that with empathy, I found to be incredibly impactful. Yeah, I think when you lead with empathy, pretty much in most situations or scenarios, tends to be much better than leading in a whole other different ways that, that people have or people try to. Empathy oftentimes signals to other people that you have a vested interest in their success. You have a vested interest in what they're doing. And I would imagine, especially in the retail space, where as you mentioned, it's it's quite complex. If you think of, say, a target type of organization or even just a, a fashion designer, independent designer that's doing their own thing. So many different inputs, so many pieces of the puzzle have to come together for it to work and to work well. And to do that, not only really being an expert in your lane and what you're doing, but then also really having an understanding of other components of the business, how your piece fits into that, and really being able to communicate across all those divisions just to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. Absolutely. And it's it's not to say that there aren't points in time or even specific roles within an organization where you do need to be very directive and share a vision and have a perspective in order to keep a very full and complex process moving forward. But I have found that the, the leaders, whether it's the full organization or, or specific project uh, that are able to take in input before having that perspective and before moving into more of a, a directive communication method are often the most successful. And that long-term command and control, that's not thats not a full strategy. That's not going to be a successful way to, to move an organization or specific piece of work forward. I like what you mentioned there about you know, being able and open to take in input. You know, what I think a lot of people struggle with taking in input and feedback is they feel that they have to either accept or adopt everything that they hear. And as a leader, it's your role to elicit the input, create an environment where people feel comfortable sharing the input, and then from your perspective, make the most appropriate decision, communicate the decision. And really, this is typically what gets missed, communicate the why. Here's what we heard. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing that. If you hit those three things, regardless of if somebody accepts my feedback or not, if I can hear that, yep, they listened, they evaluated and made the decision, and now they're telling me why, maybe why they didn't go the direction I suggested, it's a great way to keep your team really engaged. Absolutely. And I would say that extends past the definition of an internal team to an external team as well. So when I'm leading a negotiation event on behalf of a retailer and we're having conversations with suppliers and manufacturers, 
yes, if you're representing the targets or the Walmarts of the world, it can feel like you've got the right to just pound your fist and make demands. Uh, but I have found consistently in my career, both at Target and then since I've left Target, that the the partners that are working externally with a lot of respect, who are open to communicating their priorities, asking questions to understand the priorities of others, but then also communicating the whys and their decision of why we made this business decision, we selected your product, we are pursuing this promotional activity. Those business partnerships are also very well maintained if you can be open, if you can be transparent, even if in this case, you might not have awarded someone the business or awarded it in a way that they had originally proposed to you. That's that's a great point because I see that here at, at my main company, Communispond, where our most impactful trainings that we do are with our partners that are very open and communicative and are sharing, here's why we went with you. Here's kind of what we were looking for. Here's what you brought to the table. Here's why we asked to do it this way versus that way. When you when you create that and have those open dialogues, those you know strong negotiations that uh, end up being mutually beneficial, it leads to great success. Absolutely. Uh, one of my mentors uh, from Target and who I've been very fortunate to continue to work with, Daniel Duty, one of his favorite questions is, how do I become your best client or customer? How do I get the best deal when we are working? How do we create the most value when we're working through a solution? And I just love how open that makes the conversation and the invitation mm -hmm. to think about things creatively and bring something to the table. But then there's also an element of vulnerability there in saying, I don't have all the answers and it's important to me to put my best foot forward. Help me think of a way to do that. And you mentioned leaders earlier too that show openness. And I think internally within an organization, that's that's also true. There's an element of that vulnerability of not having to have the answers, but still managing the conversation or structuring the conversation in a way that it continues to move forward. It's a nice balance in, in my perspective of both vulnerability, but leadership. I love that question that your your mentor asks. And typically you see it on, on the opposite side, right? The vendors are coming in, you know, what can we do to be the best partner for you? What are you looking for in a partner? But if you think about it from a negotiation standpoint, Rather than just, you know, like you said, pounding the table and say, you know, we're this big organization, we want this, we demand this from you, we want these terms, this price, whatever, coming from an approach of, you know, what do we need to do or how can we operate to kind of get to this scenario where we are great partners and it makes sense for you to offer us this, whatever it may be. Maybe you pay quickly or you have shorter terms or you're just easy to work with, right? You don't have the quote jerk tax that you have to charge if just because people are, you know, they're a nightmare to work with. So that's a fantastic question. Julie, as you think through your career, the success that you've had, you're both in the, the kind of the quote corporate setting and now you're with your own business. If you had to think through the, the communication skills that helped you, or if I were to ask somebody close to you, you know, what's the one key communication skill that Julie has that has really led to her success, what would they share with me? Hands down, my top communication skill is question asking. So I love doing it internally, but as a, a consultant today, when I'm forming a new relationship, whether it's someone who I might potentially work with in a, as a client or, or networking up here, uh, I really think about the questions that will help me learn something new, help me draw that that person closer. 
and really help me understand the most way to, to have an impact or to drive value depending on the specific situation. Questioning really is critical when it comes to communication and relationship building. And when, when I think about questioning, there's two components to it for me. The first one is, what are the questions that I'm going to ask? The second big part is, how do I ask those questions? And meaning it needs to come across in a way that's not really an interrogation, that's not just like a checklist. Okay, I asked you this, now I have to ask you this. It's it's doing it in a way I think that really demonstrates that you care and you have some sort of curiosity around what's going on and how you can help. And also that you provide context. One of the, the greatest things that you can say when you're having a conversation with anyone after you ask a question is, the reason I'm asking is. If you give them that, it helps them understand the why behind it. And a lot of times their guard will come down and they'll tend to open up a good bit more. I love that. And context is really one of my favorite things. So clearly we are meant to be business besties, Scott, because I, I couldn't agree more. I think adding context to the question, to your point, it it helps clarify what you're looking to understand. It diffuses. But then it also gives the opportunity for the person that you've asked a question, the chance to reframe. And this is something that I do find myself doing as well. If someone gives, it says a little bit more about the question or the result that they're looking to, to learn a little bit more about, I'm able to say, I'm happy to answer this question. And I think what you're also asking is this. So can I offer this? So again, it's, it's an invitation to add more value and expand the scope ultimately of, of that specific point of the conversation in a way that's building trust and transparency. Definitely. Adding that extra context with the why behind the question will more often than not yield you much more in-depth and better responses because they know, if they know why you're asking, they're going to take it down a specific route because you could ask a question and they might be able to go in 10 different directions with it. But if you ask the question, say, the reason I'm asking is then they're going to, okay, you know, I need to focus my response in on that because that's going to really ultimately get us to move forward with what we're trying to do. Julie, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier with, with a mentor and the, the question that he asks, but if you think of your communication style and how it's, I'm sure, developed and changed and tweaked a little bit over time, but who has been somebody that has influenced your communication style? Maybe what have you taken from them and made your own and kind of put it into your tool belt? Hmm. Well, I think if we did a word cloud of our conversation so far, the word empathy would probably be in the middle with the largest frame. And I would say the person who's had the most impact on my understanding of empathy and how it impacts my communication style and really my business approach is Brene Brown. I think she does an amazing job helping us understand what empathy is, how it puts us in a position to form true and deep connections with people. And it's it's a way to demonstrate vulnerability, which I've also mentioned already in our conversation a couple of times. Uh, and for me, that was very much a learned behavior. My mm -hmm. One of my favorite extracurricular activities when I was in high school and college was I was in competitive debate. And in debate, it's obviously... Communication is very important. You're trying to share your perspective, but you're basically trying to win. You're using communication as a way to prove that you are right, almost like a weapon. 
And mm-hmm. even when you have an opportunity to engage with the other team, you're asking questions and you're asking questions in a way to make you seem right. And when I came into the corporate space, there was so much I had to unlearn from that behavior. And it wasn't about being right and having the information. It was about doing right, not being right. And that's that's been a journey for me, but something that I have found just an immense amount of, of benefit from just as a more effective peer, as a more effective leader, and then certainly in the work I, I do today. With with empathy, and I know empathy is different, but similar to say sympathy. But for me, with with empathy, as I think about it, it's I may not have experienced what you're going through. I might honestly not even fully agree with say how you're feeling, but I can understand why. I've maybe been in a similar situation. I can understand why you're feeling that way. I think a lot of people shy away from empathy because they feel that it automatically means that I'm agreeing with this person. And for me, it it doesn't mean that. It means that you understand how they're feeling. Understanding isn't always the same thing as being in agreement. And when you can demonstrate to people that you do understand how they feel and you're taking that into consideration, it's pretty powerful. I would agree. And the way I think about the distinction between empathy and sympathy is that sympathy is uh, I'm sad for you or I'm happy for you. Empathy is I'm sad with you or I'm happy with you. I might not be sad for the same reason you are. I may not be happy for the same reason you are, but you you said it perfectly. It's an emotion that I felt or it's emotion that you're having that I perceive that you're having mm-hmm. that I've also felt. And I can be standing alongside of you, not not across from you. And I I, I like being able in that genuine space with someone um, because I think you're otherwise you really are at arm's reach and not and not able to connect in a meaningful way and you're having feelings about someone or for someone not with them I like that distinction I was trying to figure out how to articulate the difference between the two so sympathy is more so I am you know happy sad for you empathies I'm there with you I'm, I'm making that connection with you and I, I've felt that same way. Don't necessarily, you know, get it or agree with it particularly or in this scenario, but I'm right there with you. I've felt it before. I understand the why behind it. As we're wrapping up here, what piece of advice would you have for somebody around the importance of developing their communication skills, whether maybe it's focusing on, hey, this is really what you should focus on, or here's why it's important, but This could be somebody that's coming fresh out of school, going into their first job, mid-career, ready to make a change and go out on their own, become an entrepreneur. What would you share with them as some advice around communication skills? Well, my, my first bit of advice, and again, probably not a surprise, is to show up with a lot of empathy for your audience. Who are you communicating with and why and what are you hoping to have the result of the conversation or the communication be. Ask great questions would be number two. But I think the third piece that we really haven't touched on is that I think everyone has an innate ability to communicate and there's elements of people's communication styles that are very much just core to who they are. And I would take some time to just to think through and listen for when people really resonate with how you choose to communicate and what they they choose to share with you and lean into those parts of your communication style. That's what's going to help you connect with people in a very meaningful way. 
And I think there certainly is an element of understanding what parts of your communication style you can also focus on so that something isn't a liability, you can neutralize it. Uh, but I, I find that the workplace is full of plenty of opportunities to share you, with you that type of feedback. So I, I find that often if people are moving into a new situation, whether it's their first time role or a new role, leaning into the way you connect, connect authentically with other people and doing more of that will serve you well. So if I if I were, would recap that, those three things I would say, focus on your audience, really dig into to questioning and be authentic. I think those, those three things, if you focus on your audience and show up with that empathy, ask great questions, provide that context and be authentic, that will really take those communication skills to the next level and have a big impact on your career. And especially with the, authenticity component of it. This was something I was chatting about with someone the other day is when people are trying to figure out that communication style, or maybe they're early on in their workplace career, it's tempting to copy or mimic somebody else that you see, whether it is a famous personality or a leader at your organization. And as I think about that, in some senses, it can make it can make sense, or in some cases, it can make sense if your style is already similar to theirs, and you're just trying to grow it a little bit. But for me, I'm a relatively even-keeled, soft-spoken, kind of mild-mannered person. So if I were to try to mimic maybe like a Tony Robbins type of energy on stage, that's not me, and it's not going to come off come off as authentic if I'm trying to give an inspirational space to people or get people fired up to go do something. So I think, as you mentioned, it's really tune into that innate style that you have, figure out and pay attention to how do other people react when I communicate? Do they open up? Do they shut down? Uh, do they lean in? Are they tuning out? Be aware of others to kind of help be more aware of yourself and then really fill in the gaps. As you mentioned, everyone has areas of, of opportunity where they can improve those skills. But I think focus on yourself, find that innate style, and then work to grow from there. Very well said. I couldn't agree more. Perfect. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed the conversation. And if anyone listening to this would uh, want to connect with you, kind of get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? No, well, first, thank you for the the warm invitation uh, to the audience. I'd be more than happy to connect with with anyone out there listening. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest place to find me. Uh, I'm sure you saw in the the episode description. I'm Julie Lasso, so it's J U L I and then L A S S O W. But I'm the only one on LinkedIn, so please feel free to reach out to me there. Uh, I, I frequently connect on LinkedIn. And then JHL-Solutions is my website. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about retail and partnerships, uh, I've got a few different articles and my perspective on, on how to really drive the most amount of impact in those, in those situations and with those teams. Perfect. I will be sure to include that link as well as the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So Julie, thank you again. Really enjoyed it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You as well, Scott. I appreciated the opportunity to be here. So thank you. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Julie Lasso. Julie's advice around being authentic is spot on. It's tempting to try to copy someone else's style. While you can incorporate strategies from others, 
it's important to tweak them and make them your own. As always, if you're looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you have found value in the show, leaving us a rating or review would be appreciated. Thanks and have a great day.